This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Friday, April 16th, 2021. Hi there, Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this hour of observation, insight, and absurdity. Hoping you're having a great Friday, that you've had a good week, that you and yours are doing well, and that you're looking forward to a good weekend, a time to unplug, to relax, to chill. Something that I normally would be doing, not this weekend. (laughs) This weekend's going to be kind of busy. As I told you yesterday, the project, liferadio.fm, goes live Monday. So um, I'll be a busy guy this weekend making sure that I's are dotted, T's are crossed, production values are where they should be, things like that. And uh, making sure everything sounds the way it should. It's been encouraging. This has been... This week has been, we've been joking and calling it test week. It's the shakedown cruise. And uh, this, is, uh, this is that week that we put it on the road to see if any of the parts fell off of it. <laughs> and, 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 and the first couple of days, yeah, some parts were falling off of things. It was kind of embarrassing. But, but, but here's the thing. We, we spent a long time working on methodology for certain aspects of the station to make sure that that part of everything was right, that it's a well-oiled machine, that it just runs and we don't have to think about it. It's it. And, and it does it all. It all does exactly what it's supposed to do. The mechanics are all working right. The, the, the parts that, that get shaky and fall off are the human factors, <laughs> meaning the hosts. And it's just getting all the little things squared away to make sure everything is the way it should be. And, uh, we came away from this morning, um, very confident that things are right. And here's the thing about it that I'm encouraged by. And that is that when you listen to liferadio.fm on Monday, you will, you will at some point forget you're not listening to an on-air radio station. And that is what we were going for. We wanted to make sure that familiarity factor was there. In fact, Dave and I were talking about it just a few minutes ago when we wrapped up our voice tracking, our voice track testing for today. And, um, and, uh, I told him it sounds like a radio station. I mean, when you're in the car driving around, it sounds like a stinking radio station, which is what we wanted. We didn't want it to be a jukebox. We didn't want it to be, um, like somebody's, um, Apple music playlist. We didn't want it to sound like an iPod. We wanted it to sound like a radio station. And it it's a radio station. It's I I really think if I, I think if you listen, and I encourage you to on Monday, go to liferadio.fm. If you're an Android user, you can go to the Google Play Store today, right now, and search liferadio.fm in the apps and you'll find our app there. And you can listen to it on the app. And the app works. I've got, you know, my little droid tablet over here that I've been using to monitor and to test, and it works great. And uh, we actually had our first, uh, last night, had our first droid download, which was encouraging. My wife's hairdresser was introduced to the station by my wife. And, um, <laughs> which occurs to me, well, the logic just follows, Mark, you moron. You just, you, if your wife's hairdresser found out about it, who else did she find out about it from? <laughs> the dog? No, no. Jane was there getting her nails done <laughs> and said, hey, listen to this. And she liked it so much. She said, is there an app for that? Yes. 
and she downloaded the app and continued listening and most likely is listening today, which is encouraging. And um, that's what that's the thing, the familiarity factor. I mean, you've got a lot of great music. You've got a couple of guys laughing and cutting up and having fun about stuff in life and and making a, occasional serious points about things. And it, that's an interesting mix itself. And then and then you hear commercial breaks and just like you do here. I mean, if you're on the live stream, you hear commercial breaks. If you are not on the live stream, then uh, then you hear. Let me. I want to put that over there. That's not really. Pardon me while I change the uh, I change the stuff for the live feed. Um, the uh, and by the way, speaking of the live feed, this will probably be the last day for the live feed on Facebook Live. And the reason is that when I look at the numbers, the handful of people who decided to make it part of their life, eh. Lots of people on the podcast, but not very many on the live feed. And honestly, it's just, eh, I, I have to move production anyway. I'm going to have to bump production back an hour for the podcast um, because it's going to take us, it's going to take some time to finish voice tracking for the day for uh, liferadio.fm. And so rather than, yeah, well, I'm just going to move it back an hour. And I, and in doing so, I'm just going to bump the uh, the Facebook live feed and just do the straight podcast from now on. So beginning Monday, no Facebook live feed. Anyway, back to the other thing. The, the, there's a uh, there's an Android app. You can get it right now. The uh, the iOS app will be available very soon. Uh, in fact, I keep checking my email, waiting for a confirmation about something. It's a contract acknowledgement, and once I have that contract acknowledgement, and I have a contract number that I can feed over to the folks with the Apple, the app developers, then um, uh, that, that shows that we are licensed to play music. And that's the thing we, you know, we've done the application, we've registered, we've, you know, we've got the check waiting to send to them the whole nine yards. It's just, it, we're just waiting. And uh, hopefully that will happen today, but we're going to go forward Monday anyway with launch day because we've already registered. We've already got the budget. It's already there. We're going to pay the, you know, the, hundreds of dollars it's going to take to play music and so we're going to go move forward but without that particular that contract number and that proof that we have music licensing apple just won't let us into the app store and that's good that's good because they're protecting the interests of musicians and artists and songwriters by making sure that they get paid for music being played on anything and everything that goes through apple's app store and that's proper that's the way it should be which is why we decided to, unlike so many other people who just go online and create their own radio stations and play music without licensing and cheat those people out of their royalties, we're not going to do that. So we're abiding. Everything's by the book. And so by the book, we're waiting on that one thing, you know, <laughs> that one little thing so that we can move forward with, uh, with the progress, with the process. But hey, the Android app is there. The the um, iPhone app will be there very soon. And soon after that, there will be an Alexa skill so that you can speak to Alexa and play the station in your home. And I think people are going to enjoy it a great deal. Anyway, enough of that. It's just been that that's I'm just kind of explaining that I just got through working on that and then shifted, you know, changed hats and and started working on this. And now um, when I get through with this, oh so many things that I'll be doing this weekend. That's where I was going. It's going to be a busy weekend because <laughs> it's ADHD. Um, the, <laughs> this weekend I'll be recording things, 
polishing things, making sure the last few things are done, making sure that the newsletter subscribers get an update on Monday morning, making sure that the, the website, which will launch on the, the page, which will change over to the official page on Monday, has everything on it we want. You know, that kind of stuff. So that's what my weekend will be spent doing. I'll be, I will be obsessing over details all weekend long. And maybe next weekend I'll be able to take a break. We'll see. But hopefully you will have a great weekend. You'll have a chance to take some time to, uh, to head for the quiet, to turn off the noise, like I encourage you to do on a regular basis, uh, to spend some time with family, to appreciate what life is really about, to ignore the news and all the liars who are filling your head with doom and gloom, and to just appreciate things around you. We need to. You need to get off of social media. Actually, wouldn't it be great for one whole weekend just to turn off your social media and not even look at it all weekend long? Maybe you should do that this weekend and see what Monday looks like after you do that. I think you'll see it's interesting. Social media, as I said the other day, is a cesspool. It's just they're not delivering the truth. They're punishing people who do deliver the truth, in fact. Uh, And you may have heard already that Twitter now is accused of protecting CNN because they banned James O'Keefe after exposing CNN's practice of, of they're, they're blatantly in the tank for leftists in politics and everything else. Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe relaunched his CNN exposed CNN campaign this week by sharing footage of CNN tech director Charles Chester revealing the liberal network's dirty laundry. In this footage, Chester claimed that CNN's focus during the 2020 election campaign was to get rid of President Trump, that the network hyped its coronavirus coverage for gangbuster ratings, and that it aims to help Black Lives Matter. Yesterday, O'Keefe's Twitter account, which was sharing Project Veritas reporting, was permanently suspended over alleged use of fake accounts. Quote, As outlined in our policy on platform manipulation and spam, you can't mislead others on Twitter by operating fake accounts, and you can't artificially amplify or disrupt conversations through the use of multiple accounts, a Twitter spokesperson told Fox News. That's where the story's coming from. James O'Keefe categorically denied Twitter's assertions, telling Fox News he vows to sue the tech giant for defamation. Twitter declined to comment when asked what fake accounts O'Keefe allegedly used. The company also didn't respond to requests for comment on O'Keefe's pending lawsuit. In fact, they won't even respond to O'Keefe. James O'Keefe has been trying to get them to tell him, what accounts are you talking about? Because he maintains he has not established fake accounts, that this is a bogus charge, and that to protect CNN, they've yanked his account. He says, in case you haven't figured out how it works by now, CNN spreads propaganda to elect Democrats, and then Twitter runs interference to protect CNN. They're all on the same team. So says Donald Trump Jr., That's, that was his tweet, who later added, at this point, both CNN and Twitter should have to register with the FEC as Democrat super PACs. Mm. Representative Matt Gates of Florida said, O'Keefe exposes CNN for lying about me and Donald Trump for propaganda. Then Twitter suspends him. He said, alluding to comments on CNN, the CNN staffer made about the network hyping the congressman's scandals as propaganda. New York Post reporter John Levine said, have to wonder what threats CNN made to Twitter to achieve this. 
Whoa. Greg Price, a uh, <laughs> daily caller social media associate, said Twitter banned Carpe Donctum right after his viral parody of CNN with the babies, and they banned James O'Keefe after he released videos of a CNN employee that embarrassed the company. Yikes. Andy No writes, after the latest round of hidden camera videos embarrassing to CNN were released, James O'Keefe the third has been permanently banned from Twitter. The Project Veritas account, account was also recently banned. This is how big tech works with liberal corporate media to take down challengers. Live action president Lila Rose tweeted, Twitter has just suspended James O'Keefe. He violated no policy, but his reporting exposed CNN bias, and their friends at Twitter apparently couldn't stand for that. What happened to giving everyone the power to create and share ideas and information instantly, Jack? Steve Cortez, former CNN contributor, also asked, Twitter intervenes to protect CNN? In response to the news. Twitter's also been the subject of recent Project Veritas exposés. In January, the outlet obtained and published internal remarks by top executives, including CEO Jack Dorsey, following the permanent suspension of then-President Donald Trump. Twitter previously suspended Project Veritas' account back in February for alleged violation of its policy against sharing private information. Twitter, Twitter is, I don't know, if, if our government was actually functioning in the way it's supposed to, Twitter would have lost their, uh, their protection and been declared a publisher instead of just a, a public, you know, a, a public forum. It would have happened a long time ago because they're making calls about what is and what, what isn't, what can and what can't be. So they, they clearly are not First Amendment protectors and supporters. They are censoring what's put on their platform and, and, and not for legal reasons. You see, under the First Amendment, you're free to say pretty much anything you want to, even if people hate you, hate what you have to say. You have the freedom to do so. But Twitter doesn't want you to do that. Neither does Facebook, neither does YouTube. Because if they disagree with what you have to say, they will shut you down. social media during the break. And then I ran across this from my friend Bell, uh, Bell Knock. On this day, 33 years ago, I made the two most important decisions in my life. Saying I do to Jennifer Beard and accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. Not a day goes by that I'm not thankful, blessed, and protected by each decision. So I look forward to each and every day of the next 33 years. Happy anniversary, Jenny, from the kid who said I do at 18 but fell in love with you in third grade. Aww. That's just... Wow, having a diabetic seizure. That's so sweet. And they're just a, an amazing couple. I love them both. And uh, happy anniversary and congratulations to the both of you. Wow. And I know, I know Jenny follows me on Facebook. So thank you. I appreciate that. 
And I'm happy for the both of you. God bless you both. And Bello, by the way, Bello Knock, I've told you about him before. In case you didn't hear before, he's he's the, the comic daredevil. He's been on America's Got Talent and Britain's Got Talent. And his daughter's been on. And right now they're doing a daredevil show at the Florida State Fair. And wow, they're just amazing people. Absolutely amazing people. So happy anniversary to you too. Oh, man. Well, some people who aren't getting along, <laughs> if I may shift gears, that would be uh, uh, Jim Jordan and Dr. Anthony Fauci. And you may have heard about this. They, they got into it. They just got into it. And I, ha I have the audio here. And, and I want to play that audio for you because I, I want you to hear how this exchange happened. And there's something that's not in the audio that we'll wrap up with that I want you to, to hear about as well. And I'll tell you about that. And what this was about was it was at a hearing before the House Coronavirus Crisis Subcommittee on Thursday, yesterday. Uh, uh, Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio noted that in Fauci's written statement, the infectious disease expert said, quote, now is not the time to pull back on masking, physical distancing, and avoiding congregant settings. So he asked, when is the time? When do Americans, when do Americans get their freedom back? Well, in your written statement, you say now is not the time to pull back on masking, physical distancing and avoiding congregate settings. When is the time? When do Americans get their freedom back? Can you put your microphone on, please? When we get the level of infection in this country low enough that it is not a really high threat. What is low enough? Give me a number. What, I mean, I, we, we had 15 days to slow the spread, turned into one year of lost liberty. What metrics, what measures, what has to happen before yeah. Americans get my, their freedoms back? My message, uh, Congressman Jordan, is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we possibly can to get the level of infection in this country low that it is no longer a threat. That is when, and I believe when that happens, you will see. What determines when? I'm sorry. What? What measure? What, I mean, are, are we just going to continue this forever? Or when does, when does, no. when do we get to the point? What measure, what standard, what objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before, before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. Their liberties have. I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. Well, that's obvious. As a public health thing. But, but, uh, the, I disagree with you, you on that. You think the Constitution completely. is suspended during, a, during a, a, a virus, during a pandemic? It's certainly not. This will end for sure when we get the level of infection very low. It is now at such a high level, there's a threat again of major surges. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, over the last year, Americans' First Amendment rights have been completely attacked. Your right to go to church, your right to assemble, your right to petition your government, freedom of the press, freedom of speech have all been assaulted. I mean, for a year now. Americans haven't been able to go to church. Even today, when they go to church, they're limited in the size of, of, of worshipers who can meet. Your right to assemble? Oh, my goodness. We had a curfew last fall in Ohio. You had to be in your home at 10. In Pennsylvania, you had to be in your home. Uh, when you're in your home, you had to wear a mask. In Vermont, when you're in your home, you didn't have to wear a mask, Dr. Fauci, because you weren't allowed to have yeah. people over to your house. Yeah, yeah Congressman Jordan. Your ability to petition your government well, for a year, for a year, American citizens haven't been able to come to their capital 
to petition their government to talk to their representatives and freedom of the press. These very pictures that Representative Scalise just showed you and talked about, guess what? The press isn't allowed in those facilities. The press is not, the Biden administration will not let the press in there. And certainly freedom of speech. I mean, freedom of, governor of our third largest state meets with, with physicians and, that, and that's, that, that video is censored because they dare to disagree with Dr. Fauci. So I just want to know, when do Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? You know, I don't think anything was censured because they felt they couldn't disagree with me. I think you're, pers you're pers making this a personal thing, and it isn't. It's not a personal thing. No, you are. That is exactly what you're doing. No, your recommendations carry a lot of weight, Dr. Fauci. We just had the, the chair yeah. of the Financial Services Committee said she loves you, and you're the greatest thing in the world. Will My the recommendations yield? are consistent. Will the gentleman yield? No, it's my, it's my now, time. Can I answer the question, please? My recommendations are not a personal recommendation. It's based on the CDC guidance, which is which is. And which I'm asking the question, what measures have to be attained before yeah. Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? I just told you that. I no, you haven't you. given anything specific. You said we hope when this third, you, tell me specifically. Right, now, have to right now, we have about 60,000 infections a day, which is a very large risk for a surge. We're not talking about liberties. We're talking about a pandemic that has killed 560,000 Americans. I, I, and That's I get what that, we're Doc, talking about. And, and I don't disagree with that. And I, and I understand how serious that is. But I also stand it's pretty serious when businesses have been shut down. People can't go to church. People can't assemble in their own homes with their friends, with their families. People can't go to a loved one's funeral. People can't get to their government, petition their representative to redress their grievances. Right. I also understand the First Amendment's pretty darn important. And it's been a year. And I want to know when right. Americans will get those First Amendment liberties right. back. Well, you just said people cannot assemble in their own homes. They can. That's a CDC recommendation for vaccination. Not last fall, they couldn't. I'm, I didn't hear. Not it. last fall, they couldn't. And after this, when Jim Jordan actually went a little beyond his time, Maxine Waters said, told him to shut his mouth. She just told him flat out, you need to shut your mouth. And <laughs> I, I, I'm amazed. And something that we shouldn't be surprised by is this. Uh, well, and I had it queued to the point here. Hold on just a sec. Because there is this, there is this particular statement. Look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. Well, that's obvious. As a public health thing. He doesn't see but, it as but, a liberty uh, that, thing. He sees it as a public health thing. It's not a liberty thing. Here's the issue with that. And that is when someone says something like this. Sad. I don't look at this as a liberty thing. When they say something like that, it tells you they don't understand or respect your constitutional rights. They don't understand. They, they believe that their role in your life is more important than your role in your life. They don't believe that you are intelligent enough to enjoy the liberties protected by the Constitution. They believe that you need them to protect you from your 
self. This is what they believe. People like Dr. Anthony Fauci are progressives. They're leftists. They believe wholeheartedly and sincerely that they are intellectually and morally superior to you because they know more and they care more. As you can tell from his, his attitude and his approach during this exchange with Jim Jordan, who's defending you, defending your rights, defending your liberties, your freedoms. You can tell in this exchange that Dr. Fauci is more concerned with keeping you from being stupid than letting you live your life. And that is an attitude held by everybody who thinks that Dr. Fauci is sent from heaven above. They believe that you're too dumb to manage your life and that you're going to get everybody killed by spreading a virus. A virus that we know from science, thank you, kills less than 2% of those who are infected by it. They throw the big numbers around, but those of us who have been paying attention and watching this happen are rightfully suspicious of those numbers as well. When we get reports from medical examiners across America that they're being told they have to write things off, deaths off as COVID when they aren't, we question those numbers. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Some of the stuff you see when you scan social media. A friend of mine, Keith, has a computer business. Bills and repairs and works on networking and things like that. <laughs> he posted a picture. <laughs> At the top, it says, take me somewhere expensive. And so, it's a photograph of a young, good-looking couple all dressed up. Guy's wearing a suit. Girl's wearing a lovely red dress. Got her jewelry. Got her hair up. Both of them looking real nice. Got their plates in front of them. Glasses of wine. Bread in the basket on the table. In the background. It's, it's the lumber department at Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's only funny because it's true. <laughs> oh my gosh. Have you been? I, I, okay. I had this little project here in the studio where I was working, and I told you a little bit about it, where I was working on these sound baffle things, these sound dampening uh, things. And, and uh, to build them, I needed some lumber, some cheap lumber, um, some cheap you know, knotty pine stuff. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to, I just has to hold something and I stretch canvas over it or, or stretch burlap over it. And I mean, the end result is they look like speakers from the 1970s. So, so I told my buddy, Dave, I said, look at this picture. looks like a, a speaker from the seventies. And he said, Oh my, it does. And that's what, so now I'm going to have these things hanging on my wall all around me here. Look like speakers from the seventies. Anyway, so to buy this lumber, I've been to you know I went to Lowe's and Home Depot and looked around, and 
something that would have cost me, I don't know, last year, $1.99 a, a piece was like $5 per piece. And I've been watching the price of plywood. No, I, I, it's not a hobby. I, it's not a thing. It's not a fascination. I've just been seeing people posting about the price of plywood over the last 12 months, how it's just skyrocketed. And that's one of the reasons that building costs are going up is because the pricing of all this stuff is going up. And, and it's all due to, and you understand this, it's all due to government interference. It's due to government policy. It's due to changes being made by the current administration, which are making everything worse. Everything, everything is getting worse in America because the, the liberals are back in charge again. And if you've been paying attention to what's going on with Russia, I, it seems like they want us to be in war. It, it seems to me that the leftists in government want us to be on the verge of war all the time. And I've been thinking back about when we ended up in wars and what happened to, to create what to start wars. And it seems to me, I could be wrong, but it seems to me like Democrats were in the White House pretty much whenever we were at war. What's the deal here? I, like I said, I could be wrong. I, that's just kind of, a, kind of a quick remembering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, hey, I could be wrong, as I said. But that kind of goes back to what I've said to you before about there has to be a boogeyman. There has to be a, a, an overarching evil or enemy or something like that so that the politicians of this mindset can, mindset can play the part of the hero. Well, we're here to defend you. We're here to stand up for the downtrodden, the little people and the like. And it, you can't do that if there's not an evil enemy to hold at bay. And so they start, <laughs> Joe Biden starts dealing with the international community as though they're corn pop. <laughs> and the next thing you know, You've got, uh, you've got tensions in the Baltic and, 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 um, and ships facing off and drawing lines and military hardware being moved around and people's lives being put in danger just because certain people believe there needs to be some dark, oppressive enemy out there to be defended from. And those same people, when President Trump said, it couldn't hurt for these people to be our friends. They demonized him for saying so. So one guy's talking about, well, I mean, we may disagree with them, but we, it's better off to be, we're better off to be friendly with them than be constantly rattling sabers. Because, I mean, that puts everybody in danger and somebody could snap and the next thing you know, somebody goes nuts and pushes a button somewhere and we've got war on our hands. Wouldn't it be better just to be on a friendlier footing with people, even if we disagree with what they do? Don't you think? Don't you think it would be safer for everybody in the world? But no, 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 no. Because those who must have an enemy will create an enemy when there is not one. Joe Biden is a good example. He's suggesting now in some parts of the United States that those areas are going back to the days of Jim Crow, which I think is interesting. He was delivering marks at the National Action Network's annual convention. Let's stop right there. See, we're not two lines into this story, and already there's a problem. He's speaking at the National Action Network's annual convention. 
You may be thinking, I know that name. Why do I know that name? It's Al Sharpton's organization. The Reverend <coughs> Al Sharpton. Yeah, Reverend. It's that con man's organization. Biden said, this organization has always been an essential voice, but never more essential than it is today, upholding and advancing the security and prosperity of health and well-being, dignity, possibilities of all black Americans. It's at a time when the pandemic and the economic crisis continue to devastate black communities, at a time when the cry for justice 400 years in the making is ringing out across our nation. Claiming parts of our country are backsliding into the days of Jim Crow, Biden argued some parts of the country are passing laws that harken back to the era of poll taxes when black people were made to guess how many beans, how many jelly beans were in a jar or count the number of bubbles in a bar of soap before they could cast their ballot. He made similar comments on Twitter earlier in the month when discussing Georgia's new election law. He said, the Georgia voting law, like so many others being pursued by Republicans in state houses across the country, is a blatant attack on the right to vote, the Constitution, and good conscience. It's Jim Crow in the 21st century, and it must end. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp fired back at Biden for his remarks. He said, there's nothing Jim Crow about requiring a photo or state-issued ID to vote by absentee ballot. Every Georgia voter must already go do so when voting in person. He added, President Biden, the left, and the national media are determined to destroy the sanctity and security of the ballot box. And yes, they are. And that is exactly what all of this is about. They're objecting to the Georgia voting law because it prevents fraud. And as I've said to you countless times, the left can't win by playing by the rules. So they have to commit fraud in order to win. Parts of our country are backsliding into the days of Jim Crow. The first time I saw that, my initial response was, Whoops, sorry, Joe, wrong political party. Because the days of Jim Crow were the days of Democrat rule of those particular parts of the country. It was Democrats who passed Jim Crow laws. It was Democrats who fought against the liberation of the slaves. It was Democrats who fought against the civil rights movement. It was Democrats who fought against the right to vote for black Americans. It was Democrats who have fought every bit of liberty for black Americans from day one. And they're making this into a race issue because racism is distasteful, nasty, ugly, and it's an emotional issue as well. And they know that when they play to the emotions, people stop thinking. And that, that is the key. They no longer think, they feel, they become emotional. And they did a lot of that during the presidential election. And a lot of people, looking back on it, still think things were hinky. During that election, voters aren't letting go of their belief that the 2020 presidential election was a fraud-filled nightmare. According to the Washington Examiner, the latest ex evidence from the Rasmussen reports says by a margin of 51% to 44%, 
Voters said it is likely that cheating affected the outcome. That included 74% of Republicans and 30% of Democrats. Now think about this statistic. And this is Rasmussen. They're fairly dependable. 51% across the board, both sides of the, mar- of, the, of the aisle, said it was likely, more than half, said it was likely that cheating affected the outcome. 47% said it's likely Democrats stole or destroyed ballots for former President Donald Trump. 40, almost 50%, almost half the people surveyed. And that included 30% of the Democrats polled. And even 50% said it was unlikely ballots were destroyed. Hmm. It's the latest survey to show that much of the nation is stuck in neutral when it comes to moving past the 2020 election, especially Republicans. Trump has done little to help him move forward as recently as last week in claiming anew that Democrats and President Joe Biden robbed his re-election. And he doesn't need to let them move forward. He shouldn't. If he believes his, his, uh, the election was stolen from him, he needs to keep bang, banging that drum and sounding that trumpet. He needs to keep doing it. That issue has been fed by continued controversies over balloting and election reform and the partisan fight over the impact of this Georgia voting changes. Liberals, as most, rec- most recently, actor Will Smith, have fallen in line to decry the changes. As you know, he pulled his movie production out of the state. And, and when I saw that story, it just said to me, well, he hasn't read the news. He hasn't read the, the law. He hasn't studied it. If he studied the law, he would see it's actually the exact opposite of what everybody says it is. A state-by-state, nonpartisan review of election laws reported on by Secrets yesterday said Georgia's in the group of states with the easiest election rules. Biden's home state of Delaware? Not. Hmm. The survey also looked at election laws and found that voters want cheating eliminated from the system far more than making it easier to vote. And they demand voter identification. You see... Most people, being honest, will say, yeah, it's a good idea. Keep people from cheating. This is a game cheating should not be allowed in whatsoever at all. And yet the Democrats are arguing for conditions which make cheating even more likely. Perspective Podcast. Finally, Friday episode. Woohoo! Oh, yeah. How'd you get in here? It's, um, it's the Friday edition for April 16th, 2021. And I want to wrap up um, in this segment with a story from American Spectator Magazine by uh, David Catron. It's called uh, The Voter Suppression Swindle. And it's some very important information I think you need to hear. And as always, it will be available today over at linkreport.us. That's the site I set up to host show nuts. Show nuts. No, that would be me. The show notes for every podcast. And uh, I want you to... Uh, I want you to... 
take advantage of that, please. Go there. And I know I, I've talked to certain people who are podcast subscribers, and they say, yeah, I, I do go over there and look. And uh, and uh, it's a good resource. I, I, I hope you will use it. So let's just dive into it, and then we'll talk about it if there's time afterwards. The Sound and Fury with which the Democrats, the legacy media, and virtue-signaling CEOs greeted Georgia's new election integrity statue, statute has inevitably included portentous accusations of voter suppression. And you know this to be true, don't you? you? You've seen Stacey Abrams and all of these other people out lying about voter suppression. That is one of those things. Voter suppression is one thing. Racism is another thing. It, it, it all amounts to somebody depriving somebody else of something they should have and and why is it why does it happen why you know why it happens you know why it happens it's because everything is racist yes everything is racist because that triggers emotions once again when the emotions are engaged the thinking process slows down and you begin feeling instead of reasoning and you don't see the facts you just get emotionally involved and when that happens They've got you. Oh, Mark, that's not true. Yes, it is. I've told the story, and for those who haven't heard it, I'll tell it very quickly again. At one time in my past, I learned this lesson a long time ago at a job I had many, many, many moons ago. And the owner of the company that I worked for at the time used to keep people angry and upset as a method of control. That was a management style. Believe it or not, some people do that. And... If he could keep people off their, you know, keep them unbalanced, keep them confused and keep them emotionally entangled, then he could manipulate things and get the results he wanted out of them. And that's a, that's a terrible way to be. And there was a young lady who worked with us at the time. Her name was Sonia. And she, she was a sweet, pretty young thing who was always crying. There was always something she was upset about every day. And and it was because the the owner, the boss was mad, was mean to her or whatever. And everybody else, there was an, another guy who just, he, he always wanted to do the right thing. And uh, just because he wanted to do the right thing, he got dirt jobs. And and there, there was a handful of things that happened like that. And, and it was a nasty way to manage things. And it was, um, the, the boss was condescending. He was nasty at times. And... Um, one day I walked in and this young lady is sitting in her chair, composed, calm, arms crossed, kind of looking off into the distance. And I thought, well, something's different here. What's going on? And I asked her, so what's happening? She says, I finally figured it out. And I said, what do you mean? I said, if he keeps me upset, he can get me to do whatever he wants. And I'm not letting him keep me upset anymore. I won't let him, I won't let him um, manipulate me anymore. By the end of the day, she'd been fired. As horrible as that is, that is the way of the manipulator. And the Democrat party is a party made up of manipulators. This is what they do. Now, Peach State Republicans are told, we're told, are part of a multi-state GOP conspiracy to disenfranchise minority voters by restricting ballot access. The plot involves 
such horrors as requiring everyone to provide identification when they vote and compelling them to cast ballots in their own precincts, combined with such outrages as fixed time frames for returning mail-in votes, coherent rules for securing ballot drop boxes, and removal of dead people from voter rolls. These laws allegedly portend the return of Jim Crow. The Jim Crow canard, however, doesn't work for this particular conspiracy theory. According to the nonpartisan Brenner, uh, Brennan Center for Justice, quote, as of March 24th, legislators have introduced 361 bills with restrictive provisions in 47 states. That's 108 more than the 253 restrictive bills tallied as of February 9th, 2021. It's also 36 more states than the 11 that made up the Confederacy and subsequently imposed Jim Crow laws. About three-quarters of the states, considering the restrictive election laws listed by the Brennan Center, can't possibly be associated with the Old South by anyone remotely literate in American history. So, if it isn't about Jim Crow, what's going on? The New York Times parrots the party line, saying... Led by loyalists who embrace former President Donald J. Trump's baseless claims of a stolen election, Republicans in state legislatures nationwide are mounting extraordinary efforts to change the rules of voting and representation. At the top of those efforts is a slew of bills raising new barriers to casting votes, particularly the mail ballots that Democrats flocked to in the 2020 election. But other measures go well beyond that, including tweaking electoral college and judicial election rules for the benefit of Republicans and outlawing private donations that provide resources for administering elections. This is the big lie narrative. It portrays former President uh, Trump as Svengali and Republican legislators as mindless zombies completely in his thrall. It also discounts any claim that election laws were violated in swing states during the 2020 election. This ignores recent rulings by state courts that Democratic officials broke election laws. In March, for example, a Michigan court ruled that Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, a Democrat, broke the law by issuing arbitrary absentee ballot rules before the election. Likewise, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled that Governor Tony Evers, a Democrat, violated state law with his executive order allowing all Wisconsin voters to obtain absentee ballots without providing identification. According to the Big Lie narrative, these violations of election laws and others that have been studiously underreported don't constitute valid reasons for state legislators to alter their election laws. Never mind that the Constitution stipulates, quote, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. A new Reuters Ipsos poll found that 55% of Republicans view the outcome of the 2020 election as the result of illegal voting. These voters expect their state legislators to take action. The left is already screaming, suppression! Yet non-voters rarely cite suppression as a reason for not voting, according to a political report which says... That was the surprising finding of a sweeping new study released Wednesday by the Knight Foundation. Only 8% said they don't vote because they don't know how or it's too complicated. Only 3% of non-voters said a more convenient process to register would motivate them to vote in more elections. Structural issues such as voter ID laws and difficulty accessing polling places didn't come up enough to even be marked in the Knight survey results. In fact, 
89% of voters, 76% of non-voters, and 69% of young people aged 18 to 24 found voter voting either very or somewhat easy. Well, wait a minute. What about Stacey Abrams? Isn't she the rightful governor of Georgia? Various Democratic luminaries, including Vice President Kamala Harris, or I'm sorry, Kamala Harris, failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton and Senator Cory Booker have declared Abrams the legitimate winner of the 2018 Georgia gubernatorial race. PolitiFact looked into that claim and concluded, quote, we previously found it isn't possible to prove if any election law or policy in Georgia cost Abrams her narrow 55,000 vote loss to Republican Brian Kemp. That's not narrow, by the way. Skeptics of claims about voter suppression point out that Georgia had record turnout. Abrams, Abrams has been dining out for more than two years on her 2018 loss. Voter suppression's been good to her. Nonetheless, there really isn't any objective data to support the claim that there is any real substance to the voter suppression narrative that has now become a mainstay of Democratic talking points, portentous media reports, and the moral posturing of corporate CEOs. Nor are the voters listening. The latest Rasmussen survey, released on April 13th, found the following. Most voters say it's more important to prevent cheating in elections than to make it easier to vote. And, by more than two, a two-to-one margin, they re- reject claims that voter ID laws are discriminatory. The voter suppression swindle is a flop. Voters aren't dumb enough to fall for historically illiterate allusions to Jim Crow. They just want honest elections. And that's the article. It's very true. The voter suppression swindle is a flop. And voters are not dumb enough to fall for historically illiterate allusions to Jim Crow. They just want honest elections. And I think people have seen that there was a dramatic increase in voting in the 2020 election. A huge increase. Record turnout. It was an amazing day. You remember it. You remember what it was like. Wherever you may be live, where, 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 living, wherever you may be listening, you got out that day and you saw the long lines at the polls. And you realized this is something special. This is big. This is a big election. The turnout was incredible. And still, still, somehow, this geriatric candidate who spent the summer hiding in his basement, who has trouble making public statements for more than just a few minutes, who has trouble remembering the names of people that he is there to talk about, this person somehow got elected president. No, there is no voter suppression. That's just a lie to cover the shenanigans going on on the left. Pure and simple, that's all it is. Hey, that's it for today. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Let's get together Monday for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. God bless you. Bye-bye. We'll knock off now and take the next two days off. How's that?